Shalom. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. I pray you are keeping the commandments and faith in Christ so that you will not be ashamed when the day of temptation arises. In last week's episode, we closed chapter two with the crowning jewel of creation, the woman. You can view that episode on Spotify or Apple, and that is episode eight, the woman. Now, I addressed in previous episodes all progressive, so-called Abrahamic religions like Christianity, modern Judaism, and Islam. Those circles do not understand Genesis. In fact, Psalms 147 verse 19 to 20 specifically says that to Jacob's children is given the understanding of the Bible, which is why those religions allegorize this portion of history to include man-made philosophies like millions of years, the evolutionary theory, and the Big Bang theory, a host of other philosophies that have nothing to do with scripture. All of those concepts are not here. They're not in Genesis 1, 2, or 3. And our people, namely Israelites, who are teachers and who are caught up in those false religions, will err along with the heathen when looking into the perfect will of God. They will never understand the full counsel if they misinterpret the scriptures which is what we see today. Let this not be true of us. So that was just a reminder. When we are studying scriptures, we are only reading what the scriptures tell us, not what we want the scriptures to tell us. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, definitely click to the subscribe button to be reminded when new episodes are published. In this week's episode, we will explore Genesis chapter as we saw from Genesis 1 and 2, there are no contradictions in the Word of God, and both chapters are complementary to each other, like a man and a woman. Not a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. Those are not complementary. Genesis 3 does not deviate from this standard, whereas Genesis 1 and 2 are historical accounts. Genesis 3 is also a historical account. And there will be no need to allegorize these passages. Now, Genesis 3 and verse 1. Verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The first sentence here in chapter 3 describes an indefinite moment after the, after the marriage ceremony when another character is introduced for the first time. Remember at the end of Genesis chapter 2, there was a marriage ceremony. Adam broke out in song, saying, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, she shall be called woman. So he hasn't yet named her Eve. But here in Genesis chapter 3, and remember the chapters came later, but this is reading straight through. So immediately after the marriage ceremony, another character is introduced for the first time. This character is described using two words, serpent and beast. Those terms have many applications. The term serpent has 39 occurrences in all of the Bible and 35 occurrences in the KJV. The Hebrew word here is nakosh, 
and carries the same sound as the hissing snake. Whereas the snake sounds like the Hebrew term is which is probably why Adam chose to name the creature based upon its sound and not its physical features. That's just speculation on my part. Nevertheless, despite its 39 occurrences, the term has no semantic range, meaning this creature is 100% a serpent. Now, there are various metaphors by which a serpent represents, but in this context, this is a literal serpent. He's a literal serpent, and the text further emphasizes this by adding the expression beast of the field. This serpent, who is a literal serpent and who is a literal beast of the field, is the subject of this verse. He is also called a created creature that the Lord God or the Elohim Yahweh made. So this creature was a creature that God made. Since he is a beast of the field and a serpent, this indicates that he was made on the sixth day. Before we move forward in the text, let's see if the identity of this creature can be explained before we understand why this creature has human speech or can communicate with humans. There are liberal interpretations of scripture which like to suggest Satan is the conscience of Israel and not necessarily a real entity, just someone who accuses our conscience. However, the scriptures are very clear. This Satan is more than a personification. He's a personal entity. There are a few passages we can go to to identify this serpent. In Revelations, in chapter 9, verse 11, and chapter 12, verse 9, he is called Abaddon or Apollon, the great dragon, the old serpent, the deceiver of the whole world. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he's called the adversary. In Revelation 12, verse 10, he's called the accuser of the brethren, or the accuser of the Israelites. In chapter, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he's called the God of this world. All of those contexts describe Satan differently, and we will not necessarily explore those right now, but you can look in the context of those verses and see how Satan is described. Here's a short excerpt from a professor. His name is Melakathan Jacobus, who speaks to this very point that Satan is an actual entity. I quote, that there was a real serpent in this transaction cannot be doubted any more than we can doubt the real history throughout. Here, where the facts speak, further explanations are not necessary, nor fitted to the time of the beginning. The real serpent is contrasted with the other animals, verse 1. In the New Testament, allusion is made to a real serpent in referring to the history. That's in 2 Corinthians 11.3, 2 Corinthians 11.14, 1 John 3.8, and Revelation 22, 20 verse 2. Yet, 
that there was in the transaction a superior agent. So in other words, there was a literal beast, but there is a superior agent who is operating within this beast, Satan himself, who only made use of the serpent. Is plain from this being referred to as the old serpent called the devil and Satan, Revelation 12, 9. A murderer from the beginning, John 8, 44. Satan is also spoken of as the arch seducer who transforms himself into an angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. The reference may be to this event. Almost all the Afro-Asiatic nations hold the serpent to be a wicked being that, was brought, that has brought evil into the world. Some have thought to turn this history of the temptation into an allegory, but it wears the same aspect of historical detail as the rest of the narrative, end quote. So even this theologian agrees, and at least he's being honest, that there is no reason to add to the scriptures here. Now, there is more that can be said to prove this serpent is a real snake, and Satan used this serpent as a vehicle through which to drive the temptation to the woman, then Adam. But let's get back to the text. So he said to the woman, now we know animals make sounds, but they do not speak. He said to the woman, yea, God hath said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So unlike God, the serpent or Satan does not use a commandment, but rather enters with a question. Here in the KJV, it reads like a question, but seems more like, like the commandment God gave Adam in the beginning. Now we know in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, Adam specifically was told not to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden because dying, he shall surely die. It appears based upon deduction, Adam must have taught those same commandments to the woman who God gave him. Otherwise, she would not have known them. Unless we assume the Most High instructed her, both explanations can be induced from the text. A, God taught her the commandments, or God taught the woman the commandments, or B, God taught the, or excuse me, or B, Adam taught the commandments to the woman. Both are, val are valid options. But the most logical preposition in this case is Adam taught the commandments to the woman because she belonged to him. In the New Testament, another Israelite writer, Paul, writes to the Corinthian congregation, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your minds shall be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, he writes, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse, verse 9, it says, Neither was the woman created, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 9, Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. So from the Old Testament through the Apocrypha and the New Testament, they're all consistent with the same understanding that Genesis 1 and 2 are literal historical accounts, and these events which transpired in the garden actually happened. It's amazing to see this, because we hear so many theories from, uh, from modern-day uh, Jewish Edomites, Christi Christian Edomites, and so many other 
uh, religions that don't know the scriptures. But here, it's it's easy to understand for an Israelite. And I hope you see this. So what we see here in verse 2 of the women speaking on behalf of them, both is not necessarily in order, but it's out of order. In other words, it became out of order. Verse 2, verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. So the woman spoke with the serpent, the beast of the field, Satan, and told him something similar to what she had heard Adam tell her. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. It's interesting here, she includes Adam into the conversation, right? But Adam never interjects here. And we don't know if Adam was specifically there with her. We can assume because we'll get to that. So instead, the woman is speaking for both of them. When Adam was in fact created first, and as we proved, Adam was made to be the ruler over creation with the woman, who will later be called Eve, as ruling alongside as his helpmeet. So Adam is still the ruler over creation and having dominion over creation and all of creation and as the woman as his self as his helpmeet. So she reiterates the commandment and says, Yes, that's the commandment. Nevertheless, listen closely here in verse three. Verse three. But of the fruit of the trees which in the middle which is which which is in the middle or the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Notice that? She says all the right words, but gives some addition to the words or the commandments by saying, neither shall you touch it. Brothers and sisters, we need to be very careful not to add to the word of God. I mentioned earlier, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam have it all wrong. They are adding to scripture and doing exactly what the woman did then or did here in this text. We need to stick to the text alone. There are a few passages about the dangers of adding to Scripture. I'll cite a few here. Revelations chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. Verse 18 reads, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. That means all Scripture. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Verse 19, and if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So adding and subtracting are not lawful. Another verse, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. These are warnings, brothers and sisters. So Old, so Old Testament only Israelites do not understand how compatible the New Testament is with the Old Testament. We need to pray for those brothers and sisters who are so captivated by this lie. So the woman is adding to Scripture. We are warned not to do this, nor to subtract. As I hope to continue to do this podcast platform and to teach you how to read the scriptures without adding to the scriptures, you do not need to add man's philosophies 
All you need is the word, and that's enough. Verse 4, and the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So after the woman, so after the woman incorrectly quotes or cites Adam, Satan disguised as an angel of light, the serpent added more to her. We can say he gave her more understanding or more knowledge. Isn't that what people crave? Isn't that what people crave? People crave more knowledge, more understanding. There are many religions in the earth that want to know the meaning of the stars, the horoscopes. There's, um, should I go to work today? Maybe I should move over to California because it's saying that I will have a promising career there. Or the mystery of the last days. Guys, we're living in the last days. Look at this event. Look at that event. And other insights into the occult. And that same desire is here. Satan says, you will not surely die. Now we can deduce Satan was in fact correct. Adam and Eve both did not physically die in that moment. But this half truth is still a lie and will bring about consequences in the end. Something else to consider is Satan challenges God's word here. Or we can say he tested the woman here to see if she would rule like they were designed to do. Let's see how he continues verse 5. Verse 5, for God doth know in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be like gods, knowing good and evil. He challenges the word of God, then adds to scripture, then promises through this new intellect or this new powerful understanding, they will be exactly like gods. And gods know good and gods know evil. So you will be exactly like them. The path of Satan follows the same flow today, brothers and sisters. The nations have tampered with the scriptures for hundreds of years, telling so-called Negroes they are the children of Ham and telling them there's salvation in Egypt where you were once gods and you were the pinnacle of the earth and every nation learned from you. This is what pan-Africanism is. It runs to this. They believe salvation can be found in Egypt when our nationhood is actually that of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they don't like the fact that we've been in slavery uh, generation after generation under all the nations of the earth. They want to be on top. Who else wants to be on top today? So Satan offers this promise to the woman. And guess what? He offers this same promise to you today. Are you going to listen? Are you going to challenge God's word and add things like millions of years and molecules to man or the Big Bang philosophy? Brothers and sisters, I'm here to warn you that if you do, you are deceiving others and bringing about condemnation on yourself and lying to other Israelites. We're not the children of Ham. We are Israelites. We are God's chosen people. We are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this can be proven both in the Bible and through extra biblical sources. So remember, God commanded Adam not to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden because he would surely die. Yet Satan is promising what appears is something better, right? Just like here in, the, here in America, here in Babylon, the great harlot. People are so concerned about reparations and guys, we're going to get it. And 
um, this belief and trust in the so-called white man and his philosophies, etc., and his promises, just like Satan here, you will be like God. Trust me. Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and did eat. So after these smooth words from Satan, the woman saw the tree or looked carefully at the tree and saw that the tree was good for food. She concluded, well, it has fruit and my body will be sustained just like the other trees. So I do not see why not. And the tree was pleasant to the eyes. Now we know from Genesis chapter two, all the physical trees God made were beautiful to look upon. And, and the tree had the ability to make one wise or to make one have the understanding of the gods, according to Satan. An important note here, Adam and, or excuse me, an important note here, brothers and sisters, about breaking the commandments of God. Breaking the commandments of God followed this same pattern. Listen, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, we read, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For any man, excuse me, I'm going to start over. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, we read, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And verse 17, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. So right here in the beginning of chapter 3, we read there is a logical progression towards sin the lust of the flesh she, she saw the tree that the tree could benefit her body the lust of the eyes she desired the tree because it was attractive and the pride of life this earthly wisdom which comes from knowing good and evil yep remember remember this israelites sin or the temptation to break the commandments are right here in Genesis chapter 3. Social media makes the opportunity to sin with our eyes that much easier. So we need to guard ourselves by putting, by not putting stumbling blocks before others and ourselves. If you're posting something on social media, make sure that you understand that another Israelite is going to see it. So how would you want them to observe that? Let's say they struggle with, with lust, or they struggle with anger, or they struggle with something else. Are you causing your brother and sister to stumble? Ask yourself that question. An important fact which the world has not considered is the demonic industry of pornography introduced through the Jewish man, Al Goldstein. He is now deceased, but his work continues to run through the power of Satan and the power of Satan's children. Revelation 2.9. The Israelites or the Bible need to cast, or excuse me, the Israelites of the Bible need to cast this down. That's our responsibility. We need to cast those things down and we need not promote them in our neighborhoods and we need to condemn them anytime our brothers and sisters are captivated by the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. How do we overcome? That's the question. 
We need to keep the commandments of God. Jesus said they are not burdensome. And we do so through the spirit and power of Christ who promised to be with us. In John chapter 12, verse 15 to 17, we are given words of exhortation. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he will abide with you forever. Who is that comforter? It is Christ. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. So keeping the commandments of God will empower you through the spirit of Christ to overcome the devil and those temptations that are bombarding us through advertisement and so many things on social media and in our everyday life. Now, there's much speculation on what kind of fruit this was. Again, this tree is in the Garden of Eden, so we do not have the tree, or excuse me, so we do not have the fruit of this tree here on earth. Remember, the Garden of Eden has been removed from the earth. So don't let people tell you, oh, the Garden of Eden is in the Middle East, or the old oh, Garden of Eden is in the Fertile Crescent. The Garden of Eden, ladies and gentlemen, it's not here on earth. The Garden of Eden was removed, and guess what? The Tree of Knowledge was removed. And also the tree of life was all removed. So this fruit is not here. It's not an apple. It's not a pomegranate. It's unlike any fruit we have ever tasted because we'll never taste it again. So all the speculations about what type of fruit this is, where the Garden of Eden is, it's absolutely, it's absolutely false. Now, verse 7. Verse 7, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. It's interesting to note here, it wasn't until Adam ate that both their eyes were opened. Romans 5 verse, Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, wherefore as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So through the action of Adam, Sin and death came to all of creation. All of creation subsequently died as a consequence of the sin in the Garden of Eden. The stars are dying, plants are dying, people are dying. All of creation is groaning because it has been subjected to futility, Romans chapter 8. And specifically, death passed or will pass upon all men as a consequence of Adam's transgression. It can be substantiated through the sins of the father. The children can be punished. There are some cases where the children can persevere and are not affected by the father's sins, but this is rare. So a stark contrast to the promise Satan gave, they will become like God, and immediately they knew they were naked. This could explain that there is some, there must have been some type of glory which covered their minds before sin entered, because immediately they cover their bodies with fig leaves because of the shame. Another interesting point I would like to consider when thinking of this fig tree and why they chose to cover themselves or cover their shame. I want to go to Mark's gospel. Jesus interacts with a fig tree here. Verse 12, and on the morrow, 
And when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. I'm in Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came. If happily he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out, cast them, or cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, It is is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. Verse 18, And the scribes and the chiefs heard it, and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when evening had come, he went out of the city, and in the morning, as, he, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling the remember Calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered, is withered away. So Jesus cursed the fig tree, which in the beginning is the first thing Adam and the woman reached for after realizing they had sinned. In marriage, brothers and sisters, we all have fig leaves, which we set up to cover ourselves from one another. When righteousness or where righteousness used to, dry, used to dwell. And like many marriages, they lose their authority over the years. Both parties get complacent and relaxed. And before you know it, adultery, pornography, lying, and so many other sins enter. Brothers and sisters, let it not be so of us in Israel. Let us be careful of how we tend our gardens or how we wash our wives in the word, so that like Jesus, we can curse the fig tree, so that it, it will no longer bear fruit in our lives. Verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Finally, verse 8, After sowing fig leaves together, a sign they were very intelligent and they had already uh, they were already capable of textile skills right here in the Garden of Eden. They heard the voice of the Lord God, Elohim, Yahweh, or Yahweh, walking in the garden. This must have been a natural occurrence, God coming to visit them in the garden, something we ourselves have not experienced. But it must have been amazing for them. It must have been amazing to walk with Elohim, Yahweh, in the Garden of Eden or the manifestation of God here in the garden. Their response was not one of delight this time, which is what Eden means. So we can deduce that their delight was originally in the law of the Lord, and they meditated on his law day and, light, day and night before Satan entered and tempted the woman. So they hid themselves, according to the text. How shameful. Like many of us who do not tell other so-called blacks and Hispanics and Native Americans they are God's chosen people, we hide this truth from them. When this could be the truth, which sets them free 
from bondage to this world system. They not only covered themselves with fig leaves, they continued by hiding themselves amongst the things God created. The trees, which were originally meant to be a blessing, now they have become an object by which they are hiding from God. In summary, we looked at Genesis chapter 2, or excuse me, in summary, we looked at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. And I really enjoyed this study. My prayer is that this study blessed you and helped you understand the seriousness of sin and the fact that sin has immediate consequences. We also address how men lie and try to ridicule this passage by saying things like, oh, how can you believe a snake actually spoke? But they do error and cannot comprehend the scriptures because it's not for them to understand. Tune in next week for the next episode. Every episode will be published on Friday between the hours of 8 and 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Say a prayer that I can remain consistent in the word. And this will in turn benefit us both and build our nation one verse at a time. And as always, all praises, all honor, and all glory to the Most High. Shalom. 